Consequence Podcast Network. I've never been this nervous in my life. Greetings from Longtime No See the Podcast. Every week we'll be inviting two blindfolded comedians to answer a series of questions about their careers, lives, and opinions. Now, let's remove those blindfolds and start the show. Hi! <laughs> what would your opening line with your celebrity crush be? Loved you in Harry Potter. <laughs> Worst date you've been on. A man bit my neck mole off once. You did what? A man bit my neck mole off. Oh my god, Jack almost fell off his chair. <laughs> be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast. Another edition of the What Podcast. I'm Barry Corder. With me is Russ Jackson, otherwise better known as Lord Taco. And Russ, I don't know about that sweater, man. Is there a, <laughs> a good story about that sweater or just. Well, not yet. Not yet. Okay. Right. <laughs> no, I just wore my ugly Christmas sweater. It's uh, that time of year getting festive. Getting ready for the holidays. Well, it uh, it makes a statement. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but uh, <laughs> anyway, it I'm, speaks it speaks to someone. I know we're still waiting on those endorsements, and uh, any day now, yeah. <laughs> if, if they're not going to give you one, I don't know who you know who deserves one, but uh, yeah, I don't know who's uh, who's getting it if I'm not. Anyway, normally uh, Brad Steiner would be with us. Uh, we it's it's december these are sort of the in-between weeks or months whatever we on this show we talk about bonnaroo as anyone who knows um why we're here that's why we started this podcast it's morphed into a you know a broader show about festivals and music in general and um russ I think you know this. I've had a list of people that I've wanted to interview. I mean, and I'm not kidding when I say this. It's like a dream list. When I when I in I I I didn't even want to say it out loud, kind of thing. You know, like my top of my list would be Paul McCartney. I don't imagine right. that's ever going to happen. <laughs> Next would have been Jim James. Guess what? That happened. We talked mm-hmm. to him. Probably number Shoot three. Stars. Yeah, yeah, and it was a great interview. Please go back and listen. He was so good. Yes, number three on my list um, is the guy we have today, believe it or not. And it's uh, it's probably a name that may or may not jump out to a lot of people. He's not a rock star. He's a rock star in his field. He is the rock star in his field. Uh, but for me, the reason I so badly wanted to talk to him is because he seems to encapsulate everything that is meaningful to me about Bonnaroo, if that makes sense. And personally, mm-hmm. uh, we're talking about Danny Clinch. I'll go ahead and just say it. Um, look him up. Uh, you've seen his work. You've seen Bruce Springsteen in the snow. You've seen Taylor Swift. You've seen Kanye, Beyonce, <laughs> Jay-Z, the Stones. He's the photographer of rock and roll, basically. Uh, but he's also a huge Bonnaroo fan, as you will hear. And he gets it, right? I mean, he gets oh, absolutely everything we love about it, he loves about it. Um, mm-hmm. And, and I kind of figured that, and, and I also wanted to say, and I didn't want to bore him with it, but, um, you know, as part of my job covering Bonnaroo for the, for the Chattanooga paper was not only to write about it, but to take photographs. And I had some opportunities to take some great bands, and, um, and, and I told him, and I said on here, I probably shoot 30,000 frames and I get eight that I'm kind of proud of, you know, he probably shoots 30,000 and gets 25,000 that he's proud of. (laughs) He's a, he's a photographer. I'm not, I've never claimed to be, I get lucky. And, um, we talk about his process. We talk about so much. He was so giving what we talked to him for almost an hour, almost an hour. It's a, 
great conversation. And like you said, it was not a name I was familiar with when we first started talking about this. Uh, but when you start naming, oh, have you seen that picture and this picture? I'm like, oh, you've seen. Oh, them. okay. You've seen. Yeah, <laughs> I've I've definitely seen him. His picture. Yeah, if you go on his website. Yeah. Yeah, he's got just a a. a a scrolling feed of all these pictures that he's taken. You're like, Oh, I've seen all these. And he was so funny and so nice. And, uh, but I mean, no kidding. I mean, just uh, his role in rock and roll history and his take on rock and roll history and all of that is what, what I wanted to get into. And we did, um, you know, he, he shares, you know, why a certain, very famous band played Bonnaroo, you know, that's right. Kinda yeah. Thanks He's, to him. Um... Helped talk them into it. And, and why uh, <laughs> Springsteen ended up playing with, uh, you know, a, a special set. So, I mean, Danny has been as much a part of rock and roll history as any band you can name. And that's why I think I was so excited uh, to talk to him. So, Absolutely. Yeah. He's not just one that shows up and takes pictures and goes home. He's actually built a relationship with a lot of these artists and has influenced them a little bit. No, no question. And he Mm -hmm. was very kind and we've, we've been trying to make this work and special shout out to David Bruce. I am Bonnaroo. Again, if you don't know who he is, go back and look through our, our archive. Uh, David is a special friend of this show for sure. And he yeah. helped put this together. Um, and, and I can't thank him enough for that. And um, so here we are. It's December. Uh, it's rumor time. Lineups have been coming out. Shaky Knees is incredible. Some of the other ones. I, we're not going to get into that for this episode. I think we want to get some other guests on to talk about that and, and mm-hmm. what's coming what's coming in the, in future weeks, but this was such a special episode and Danny said yes. And he picked a date. And if he just said 3am, I'd have been there. So <laughs> we jumped, Me too. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So we jumped we at it and he was great. And uh, I can't wait for you guys to hear it. And like I said, we, we're still trying to figure out scheduling. We're trying to have a show every week, even if it's a high five clip, because quite honestly, we're kind of proud of some of the past shows that we've had. I mean, you know, we had Noah Khan, even though he was just with us for a full episode this summer, he's everywhere all of a sudden. He literally everywhere. He's yeah. literally everywhere. And I'm so happy he, for he him. Sh- <laughs> yeah. He showed up at the top of the shaking knees, uh, bill and it just did snl and yeah lots of yeah and i thought the message that he had when he talked to us was just as relevant today as it was then so we're gonna absolutely so you're probably gonna get a few more high five clips but i hopefully we're gonna have a whole lot more episodes like this one though i don't know i mean unless uh unless maca calls me you know answers my emails (laughs) He's your last checkbox, right? He's the top. <laughs> yeah. If he calls, if he says, "Yeah, mm-hmm. let's do it," then we're doing it. But uh, right. Anyway, we've got a lot of other ideas planned, and I'm I'm excited to see what's coming up. So, all right. Uh, anything else? I think we're ready to just get into it. Talk right. to Danny Clinch. Well, here's Danny Clinch, and man, I can't thank him enough. I'm so excited about this. This this was great. I can't even hardly speak. <laughs> I, I hear you. I'm excited. I didn't know it was ugly sweater day. Well, let's explain. <laughs> so I'm Barry. That's Lord Taco or Russ. Uh, we call him Lord Taco. Uh, PBR is, uh, I should just say, what's that website you use, Russ? He rates beers. Oh, untapped. Untapped. He, he, <laughs> Danny, if you go to untapped, he's been rating beers for six, 10 years. And it's all PBR. That's all he drinks. That's that's all. I think it's hilarious. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. I think it's hilarious. So that's why. And I didn't know he was wearing that sweater either. Or I, you know, I don't know what we'd have done. But 
thank you so much for doing this. Um, you are with us because in part, because this has been something I've wanted to do on the what podcast, which we started in 2018 because we love Bonnaroo. And then we figured out people are talking about Bonnaroo year round. And then we figured out festivals are just a lot of fun and, and they're great. Oh, yeah. And, um, and, and because, and I want to mention our mutual friend, David Bruce, I am Bonnaroo. Yeah. He helped put this together yeah. and I'm so thankful for sure. him and, and, uh, reaching out. And I, I wanted to say too, I actually met you through our friend, Ken Weinstein, at Bonnaroo outside the media tent one night, uh, you were taking pictures of, of a beautiful woman and her toddler. And uh, Ken said, Hey, have you met Danny? And I'm like, Oh, hi, Danny. How are you? And then I went inside media and my friend, the photographer said, that's Danny Clinch. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm such an idiot. <laughs> anyway. Um, anyway. Yeah. So thank you again. And thanks to David. Um, and I just got to say up front, I, for your background, for your benefit, I've been in the newspaper, was a journalist for 37 years, uh, covered Bonnaroo since about 2002, since it started, skipped the first three or four years for a variety of reasons, but been there since 2017. Russ has been there since 2018, right? That so is we, correct. Yeah. We love this festival. So that's the basis of this show. So I'm going to ask you some questions based on journalism, industry, photography, music, all of that, but also kind of as a fanboy. So forgive me if <laughs> Bring I, it on. Forgive me if I cross some lines because I just love Bring it on. I love how this all merges and that's why I'm so excited about this. Um do you remember was it music first for you or for photography first and when did they merge? Well, someone asked me this the other day. They they were like, what's your earliest memory? Uh, it was a family conversation we were having. Uh, and I said my earliest memory was laying on my mom's um, bed while she was getting ready for, uh, for work. She was a nurse at the time. And my cousin was going to be watching me. And I heard um, Hey Jude on the radio. So, like, I guess music came first. Um, uh, although my mom always had a camera, uh, and, and was always taking photographs, um, to use the snapshot queen. Um, and so, you know, I, I naturally wanted a camera when I was really young. So I got one when I was young, but there was always music being played in our house. It was usually fifties, uh, fifties music. My folks were into, um, you know, Johnny Cash and Elvis and, uh, you know, Buddy Holly and that, and my dad had a, had a eight track tape that went from each used car one after the other. He would trade the car in, but he'd always keep that eight track. And it was the big bopper, Richie Valens, Buddy Holly, you know, Elvis and the like. So I got a heavy dose of early rock and roll. Uh, and, um, and then, then I had a great, um, you know, uh, influence in my music. My buddies, uh, uh, older brother and sister were into, you know, the Allman Brothers, um, uh, Jackson Brown, Bob Seger, Springsteen, um, uh, Warren Zevon, stuff like that. Cat Stevens, T for the Tillerman, I remember. Anyway, just, you know, always around music. And, and I had a love for music. And when it became time for me to decide what I was going to do with my life, I had already been photographing and sneaking my camera into concerts. Um, and my folks said, you know, you got to make a decision about what you're going to do here with your, with your life. And, uh, and I, I just decided to follow my love of photography. Um, my dad was a house painter, so I did plenty of house painting when I was younger, uh, enough to know that I didn't want to do it every day for a living. Yeah, uh, although I still love to paint to this day, um, you know, and plenty of dishwashing and, uh, short order cook and waiting tables and stuff as we do. But when, when did, when was that aha? Like for me, all I knew, I love music. I had no talent. I, I can't yeah. play the radio. I've got older brothers and a younger brother who are musicians. 
that's all I cared about was being around music, but I had no, no talent. But sometime in college, I realized if I wrote about it, I could get free tickets. So that was the aha moment for me. Um, what was it for you? I mean, was it, when did you figure out if you said you, you would sneak your camera in? Did, do you remember when you got paid for a f- photograph first or when did they merge? I you know, uh, some, yeah. Uh, some, well, the first time I made any money off of my photography, I think it was, um, I was, you know, in school in high school and, uh, these guys I knew were like, big Ted heads, like Ted Nugent fans through and through, you know, uh, this was way before he started showing his true colors. Uh, and, um, so I went out to six flags, six flags, great adventure where Ted Nugent was playing. And I took a bunch of photos and I knew if I blew a couple of them up poster size, I could probably sell them to my friends. And I did. Nice. <laughs> so that was pretty fun. Uh, and, uh, so that was kind of a moment where I was like, wow, I can make a living doing this. And, and then, you know, several other things, you know, I, I photographed some weddings and stuff. I worked as a videographer for a wedding photographer. And, um, and I also, you know, just, st- I was going to concerts all the time and I was just always bringing my camera and I would get it in one way or another, um, from, you know, early shows at the stone pony, uh, to Live Aid in Philadelphia in 1985, um, you know, and just every other show that I, I would, I would basically would hand parts of my camera off to my friends, uh, you know, here, take this lens here, take these rolls of film, you know, put them in your pocket. And then I'd shove the camera body down my pants and go get in. And, um, and then we'd, we'd gather up, I'd collect everything, you know, and then I would say, all right, I'll see you guys at the end of the show because I'm going to go try to sneak up, you know, sneak up front and get some photographs. Uh, and so I just followed that muse to uh, and I went to uh, 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 community college, Ocean County College in New Jersey, uh, which is actually Springsteen went there for a couple semesters before they they said, we don't like your kind. <laughs> I'm not sure they said that, but uh, um and and uh, he ended up, you know, leaving. But uh, and anyway, then I went to uh, New England School of Photography in Boston, um, and uh, that was in Kenmore Square. And uh, Boston was a great music town, and I and I, you know, continued my love of uh, photographing. I would bring music into my assignments at school. I had a, a documentary photography class, and I chose to follow around a, a rock band at the time that was called Rick Berlin the Movie, and they were similar to like. The talking heads in a sense uh their vibe was really cool they were very theatrical a uh, lot to photograph and um and uh and then you know when i was done there long story short i ended up um looking for a workshop to do um to just you know expand my experiences and and the people that i knew and my networking and stuff and i went to the ansel adams gallery workshops in yosemite um and uh, the two of the instructors that I love the most there was one was Annie Leibovitz and one was David Hockney. And um, the long story short is uh, at the end of the workshop, Annie invited me to intern at her studio, which I gladly accepted. And then I, uh, you know, went there and worked my way up to being one of her assistants and traveling around, you know, with her uh, assisting and stuff, which was really integral to me, uh, you know, learning how it was done and how it was done properly. Yeah. I want to get, I want to, I want to ask about her. Uh, obviously I, I was, it sounds like that was such a, was it a gradual thing or, or, I mean, I keep, I keep asking for this aha kind of moment was, was there that aha moment where, and when was it where I mean, for people who are listening who who don't know, I mean, obviously, uh, I've been talking about this interview for weeks <laughs> that it was going to happen, and my a lot of my friends are like, you know, who? And I'm like, he's Annie Leibovitz of rock and roll. I mean, come on, this is this is the guy. When along that path, did not only did you think I can make a living at this, but maybe it was like this is this is more than I could have maybe hoped for, or even has it happened 
to that point yet. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there are a lot of those moments. Um, for me, I'm not like a very good planner. Like I don't really plan ahead. I wow, just, okay. I just live in the moment and go for it. Uh, and that's what I continued to do. Um, my, my girlfriend at the time who is now my wife was also a very good planner. So we were like a good team where she would, you know, kind of help me stay on track. And, and, uh, while I was, you know, spinning my wheels everywhere, um, you know, just trying to be somewhere, trying to capture a moment, um, all that stuff, uh, that was, you know, important to me just, and my obsession with documenting docu my obsession with documenting the music that I loved. Uh, and then a lot of my good opportunities early on came from people that I met through, uh, like the Andy Leibovitz crew, like, uh, the other assistants and that, um, made, made friends with some of, uh, the assistants and then their friends. Uh, and there's like a whole clique of us that really started from the Andy Leibovitz moment who are still like some of our best friends to this day. Um, and one of them uh, actually got a job at Spin and was one of the photo editors at Spin Magazine. And she um, helped me get a couple of assignments early on for Spin Magazine. So that was cool. That was an aha moment for me. It's like, okay, here's my opportunity. And can I do it? Like I had to, I had to not only do it for them, but I had to make sure that I did it for myself, you know, that I came through for myself and it was photographing the hip hop band called third base. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I, I, I felt great when I finished the shoot, I felt like, you know, I could absolutely see these in the magazine, you know, and being a music fan myself and a fan of music magazines and photography, like I looked at it and I thought, all right, I, I, I kind of nailed it. I feel good about this, you know? Um, and then I struck up a friendship with MC search who was in third base, um, and I took those images to Def Jam uh, Records creative team called the drawing board at the time, uh, Say Adams and Steve Carr. And um, I, uh, I, you know, I showed them my work and we were we were all the same age. You know, like they were Def Jam was just a startup kind of, you know, everybody was young. Everybody was like, let's do this. This is exciting. And then I showed up and I was like the same age. Right. And like there were no other big name photographers like knocking down the door to just shoot hip hop. Everybody thought it was just going to be a fad and like gone in a year or two, you know. And so they were offering me work like straight away. They were like, yeah, young guy like us, like let's let's have some fun and make some art and, you know, do some album packaging. And uh, so that was cool. And then a little bit down the road, MC Search hit me up and said, hey, I, I have this artist that I'm. Uh, producing and helping get signed to um, to uh, Sony Records, and his name is Nasty Nas, and uh, he's got a record coming out. It's incredible, and I think your style of photography will lend itself to what he wants to do, which is document himself at you know where he came from in Queensbridge, and uh, and so I did, and it was incredible. It was a, it, it's an incredible record, as we all know. It's proven to be. Uh, uh, long-standing, incredible, uh, masterful work. Um, always at the top of everyone's favorite records in hip hop. Um, and, uh, and, you know, relationships, you know, it really is about relationships and friendships and, and being, being kind to people and working hard. And, you know, if you can, if you, you know, if you treat people nice and you work hard and you've, you know, the talent comes, comes almost secondary, you have to, you know, you have to get along with people and you need to come through when you get an opportunity. Wow. That answers a lot of, uh, so part of why I'm so f glad to be talking to you is, I mean, like I said, I've done this a long, long time. I'm mostly a writer always, but our newspaper was small. So they would hand me a camera every now and then, you know, you'd have to take a picture for the last 10 or 12 years. I've taken pictures at like a Bonnaroo, I'm that guy can walk up to the front of the stage in the pit and I might shoot 8,000 pictures and I'm, I'm going to get one. I'm going to get a good one. I'm not the guy that can go get that good one. When you, that first session with the, did you have an idea going in how you wanted to shoot it? Or were you, like you said, you're not a planner. Do you, did you walk in and I'll shoot what they give me? Um, 
that that always fascinates me about how these these sort of processes. Yeah, you know, I think at that time, I was probably more of a planner like when I started to get work, like I, I didn't want to screw it up. I, I wanted to come through, you know, and to this day, I still, you know, plan ahead and, and, and collect ideas that I'm going to bring to the table when I show up. And then, and then often I just throw them out the window because uh, I prefer to be spontaneous and I prefer to be um, uh, it, it, reactive to the situation, you know, to come in, see how the person feels, see if they're up for any of the ideas that I'm bringing in. Do they have any ideas? You know, do I get there and go, Oh my God, like this location's incredible. All of a sudden my whole idea has changed, you know? Um, so, so I would always go not only with a lot of different ideas, but I was also someone who used a lot of different cameras. Um, you know, today you come in with a, a digital camera and you can literally just shoot a, 8,000 photos in a matter of time of, you know, uh, you know, 15 minutes and get in there and make it look like any camera that ever existed. Um, and, you know, you don't, you know, there's gotta be, there's gotta be a moment in there somewhere. You also have, you also have to be, uh, you know, have enough good taste to choose the best moment. So there's that. Um, but I think that, um, I, I would go in and, um, you know, like I said, I've, I had like old Polaroid cameras and I was shooting with a Hasselblad. I was shooting with a 35 millimeter camera. I would shoot with little half frame cameras and toy, toy cameras and double exposures and all kinds of weird stuff uh, just to see like what would come out of it. You know, and, and the art directors that I was working with at the time, they really loved it because it gave them like it wasn't like, you know, there are some photographers who lock into one idea and they'll shoot like you know, back then you were shooting film. So, you know, you shoot 20 rolls on this one thing. And there's just like these subtle little differences, you know, where it's like, I would go in and it, I would just shoot a lot of different types of films, a lot of different like ideas from something that was simple and perfect for like a publicity shoot or something that was so out there that it was like a double, triple exposure. You you know, that just had a feeling to it. So it was like, you know, you were creating like a, a library of images that the art director could use uh, in any way that they like, you know, I mean, I think, and that's one of the things that I heard feedback wise okay. from a lot of the, the art, uh, the art, art directors that I worked with um, my friend, say Adams, who worked with, uh, um, you know, with Def Jam and, <clears throat> uh, you know, would, would, would say like, well, we could just send Danny out. Uh, we, you know, first couple times we went along with him, uh, to make sure he was getting what we needed. And we were so busy that we were happy that we could just say, yeah, we'll just send Danny, you know, he's going to come back with the goods. And yeah. He's going to come back with something interesting. So see, that's that trust thing. Cause I mean, the other side of it could be somebody's like, man, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. He keeps taking, you know, Versus that yeah. one, the photographer who comes in and takes one one shot and said, "Got it," you know. Um, yeah, uh, that's interesting. It, obviously, yeah, I would I would assume now you, you've certainly built that trust where you know it'd be like he knows what he's yeah. doing. What if he wants me to stand on my head? I'm going to stand on my head, uh, kind of thing. Yeah. So you got to build that sort of trust, right? Yeah, and everybody's different. Some people don't need that trust, and other people really do so yeah um you've done so much um the 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 clubs the small clubs you've done the album covers you've done the magazine covers you've done festivals big arenas you're you're a year younger than i am uh so you kind of watch this industry grow and change do you have do you have a preference in the music world as far as where and how you shoot do you like the studio stuff do you like the live festival do you like the big arenas do you miss the big arenas do you like the small clubs what do you prefer you know what i like a great life experience and i feel like that is what i got through photography in my life is any of that stuff is exciting to me. I love, I do love being in the recording studio and documenting, capturing moments, being like a fly on the wall. But I also like to direct people and try and capture a great portrait that might end up on a, 
on a magazine cover or an album cover or, you know, uh, or a thumbnail that's this big on iTunes. Um, so, uh, I, I do, I really do love it all. I love shooting live, um, being, being there, like, you know, maybe hiding behind an amplifier on the stage and like feeling like you're a part of the band in a sense. And, you know, even being in the pit, it's a, it's a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, I, I, I do, I do kind of, I appreciate all of it. Um, you know, it is a lot of work. It's a lot of work, like shooting a live show and you have a, a really energetic band and you're chasing someone around, like, you know, who's running all over the stage and you're, you want to be in the right spot. And sometimes you are, sometimes you're not, you make your decision. You got to live with it. You're like, damn, I was just over there. And he just ran over there. Like, why didn't I stay there? You know? <laughs> um, but, you know, I also think, um, and I, I, I do think this is interesting is, you know, there's a, there's a lot of photographers out there now, especially now, you know, in the digital world and stuff. But I also feel like there's certain photographers who, for the most part, um, you know, shoot live shows. That's what they do, you know. And there are people who, um, you know, have a relationship with the band and they're, you know, they can shoot the live show and be back, you know, backstage or in the recording studio. And then there's, you know, there are people who are like, yeah, I'm not shooting a live show and I'm not going to a, a, you know, backstage, but, you know, I'll shoot the album cover, you know, and I'll shoot the album cover. That's what I do. I'm an album cover shooter, publicity type stuff. And, and I admire all that, but I, I feel like there's, you know, that I've done kind of all of it, you know, well, like I'm excited to shoot the album cover, the publicity stuff. I'll go in the studio and hang out. I'll shoot the live show. You know, I make a concert film, uh, you know, a documentary, <laughs> yeah. you know, as I've done for Bonnaroo, uh, you know, many times. Yeah. And, um, you know, you know, there I am like setting up at Bonnaroo, like, a little portrait spot, which the first year was two flats, you know, just kind of made into a corner in the middle of the field. And, um, you know, <laughs> then it evolved into what it became, which was like a, you know, almost two sets, uh, you know, it, you know, backstage at Bonnaroo and stuff. So, so there are a couple of things I want to ask you about the different scenarios. Um, let's start with the, probably one of your more iconic photographs, the Springsteen in the snow that, uh, hmm. that was, you didn't know it was going to snow, right? That was kind of an impromptu, not planned yeah. type of yep. thing. Um, you got to love stuff like that, right? I mean, that's, yeah. um, versus Taylor Swift just recently time magazine person of the year. Right. Um, mm -hmm. and I saw your note, that, uh, you know, you've been shooting her for quite a while. That's something I always loved when I was doing, doing the job was sort of finding a person and following them along. Uh, yeah. So how are those two shots different in relation to, and the third I was going to ask, cause you were in Chattanooga last year uh, with Nathaniel Ratliff, right? Or was it two years ago? Um, um, where was, what was Chattanooga? I don't know that Riverbend I was in Chattanooga. Festival. Uh, oh no, I wasn't. You weren't? Okay. Mm -mm. That's somebody. All right. Then, um, thought you were some here. other guy with a hat, some other guy with a hat taking a photograph. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I'm curious about like how the planning, how much planning goes in, how those work, those kind of sessions. And, and then literally when you're like, wow, I'm going to take this picture of Bruce in the snow. Cause this is a, this is a cool thing. Uh, well, you know, they're both like way, way different. So they're yeah. great examples, you know, to balance off. Um, you know, Taylor Swift was at the Grammys and, and I had done uh, all the, you know, portraits of the winners at the Grammys over, you know, 15, 16 years actually. And um, uh, so you know, it was great because here are people, you know, you know, winning an award, you know, for their art and their music and, you know, just feeling really great. They're all dressed up and they're so excited and they've just won this award and they come back and you literally get like, you know, 60 seconds to maybe four, four minutes or so 
a little more if you know them, uh, you know, to come back and capture them in that, you know, very important moment in their lives. So, so that was cool. And I did that several times. I, I think, you know, while I was there, I'm sure Taylor came back like probably four or five times. And there were probably a couple of years where she won and didn't come back for whatever reason. Um, same with uh, Jay-Z and Beyonce. Beyonce came back a bunch of times uh, to the Grammys. And I just recall one or two years where she just blew off most of the press, but came back and sat for a portrait for me because this wasn't like a step and repeat where that said Grammys on the background. This was like a classic, you know, beautiful portrait to memorialize that moment. Um, so that was cool. And, um, and, and just in the Bruce, uh, in the snow was, was basically, um, was he was doing the Broadway shows in New York city. And, uh, I was there photographing those, uh, some of those shows. And, um, and I said, you know, uh, I, I, I just was talking to him one, one, uh, one day backstage and I said, you know, it'd be, it'd be cool. We should probably, uh, you know, take a walk around the city one day because, you know, you're, you know, you're owning New York right now. You're kind of staying here. You got a show here all the time. You're in every newspaper, every magazine, everybody's talking about how epic these shows are. How cool would it be to meet up and just like get a photograph of you standing in New York city? Um, <clears throat> that was the idea. So, um, we made a plan and he, I texted him in the morning. I said, yeah, I'll see you down there. He's like, yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'll, I'll meet you there. You know, Central Park, uh, you know, 72nd and Central Park. So, uh, so I, um, I went down and it started to snow. It wasn't really expecting to snow. That was the interesting part. And it just started to snow and it got heavier and heavier and heavier. And I feel like we were supposed to meet at like two o'clock and I was looking at my watch and it was like two fifteen. And I said, Hey, you know, I'm just checking in. The light's really nice here. It's snowing hard, but it's still pretty cool. Are you still coming? He's like, yeah, yeah. I just, I'm in a cab. I just had, had a hard time catching a cab, which I thought was funny, you know, to imagine Bruce out in the snow trying to catch a cab. I was like, I want that photo. Where's that photo? Uh, anyway, so he showed up and when he walked out of the cab, he looked at me and he was like, I hope you got some ideas, you know? And I said, I said, Oh yeah, I've been here for an hour, you know, wandering around, picking out the best spots. And in fact, I want you to just stand right here. This was literally like 20 paces from the cab and you could see the, uh, you know, the, what I call the vanishing point of the buildings going down 72nd street with the Dakota on one side. Um, and, um, and knowing how much actually, you know, John Lennon and the Beatles meant to, uh, to Bruce. Um, and I had him stand there and the snow was falling and landing on those, um, little rickshaws, the bicycle rickshaws and that. And I just, you know, banged off like half a dozen photographs and I was like, wow, this looks great. Uh, and then we, you know, I could have just went home after that, but, uh, instead we went into, um, into central park and we walked around throughout central park little bit. And then, um, and then I, I said, yeah, I feel good about it. This is great. You know? And he was like, Oh yeah, I think there's going to be good, some good pictures, you know? And, um, and, uh, and he, um, said, all right, well, I'm, I'm going to walk down to Tavern on the green and get some hot chocolate. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and he like put his headphones on and put up an umbrella. And then he just like walked, walked down, you know, into the snow, disappeared in this, in the snowstorm, which was yeah. pretty cool. And I actually, of course, photographed that too. Um, and, uh, and one of the reasons, also one of the reasons I, I wanted to photograph him there, uh, is there's a famous, um, Richard Avedon photograph of Bob Dylan in Central Park. And I was kind of hoping to get that. Um, and I did, however, it was just covered in snow, <laughs> which was, you yeah. know, there's a, there's a lot of good images there and, and they used them. And then when, uh, when they were doing the, uh, the album, uh, you know, recording letter to you. Uh, Tom Zimney was there, who's Bruce's documentarian, and he was making a short film about the uh, about the record. And while they were there recording, it it started to snow, and he captured the snow, and he captured Bruce walking around his property in the snow. And so when they were interested in doing the album packaging, um, Bruce called me up and said, uh, "Hey, you know, why don't you send me some of those photos, you know, that we took in the snow because I feel like there's a little thread here." Um, and, uh, and so I did, and that, that's what happened. Yeah. See, I, I love yeah. the, the two, the kind of bookends, the, the you know, yeah. the, the first story where you're taking 8,000 photographs to see, you know, maybe you get one and then the snow and you're like, I got it. 
I got what I needed. Yep. I'm, I'm good. Yep. But you're here. You know, I can't turn you back away. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Send you on your way. It's kind of funny. Yep. Uh, yeah. How much uh, FOMO do you have at this point? How much, you know, photographers, I, I can't tell you how many shows I've been at where I like, man, I wish I had a camera versus the times I was like, man, I wish I didn't have this camera wrapped around my neck or on, on mm. the end of my hand. Uh, yeah. Do you, do you have that or is it, are you at the point now where you just take a, it's all, you it, everything's scheduled? You know what I mean? You don't work. No, I mean, well, I'll let you finish the question. Well, I was just say? thinking, do you have those? Do you even go, do you even go to shows just to watch a show, right? You know, without a camera? Uh, not very often hmm. because I want to, I, if I'm going to fully enjoy the show, you know, I usually have a camera. Uh, I did, however, go to see Paul McCartney in Mexico city recently. And I left my camera at home. And went with my family and uh, and some friends, and I was just like, you know what, I'm just not gonna, I'm not gonna worry about it. And uh, you know, as I look back on it, at the time I didn't really, and I do, I do have severe FOMO, I really do. You know, uh, at the time I really didn't. I just really tried to enjoy the moment. But afterwards, when I was looking at my iPhone photos, I was like, man, if I had my Leica, oh man, this would just be epic. It would be epic. See that's anyway. That's I gotta. I'm gonna let that wrap around my head because I get it. I mean, the McCartney Bonnaroo is everybody. Anybody who listens to this podcast, you know, when yeah. you when you say what's what's your best moment, Paul McCartney 2013, and then there's second and below, you know, for everybody. Yeah. And it's because yeah. we all sat yeah. there and sang "Hey Jude" together, right? Eighty thousand, yeah, eighty thousand sure. of us. Um, mm-hmm. That's really interesting that you would do that. Um, but you also took iPhone photos. That's even more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wasn't going to let the whole entire moment go by. Come on. <laughs> Had to capture it. All right. Um, man, I know you're very busy. Russ, I've hogged all this as I told you that I would. You, you got to have a question. <laughs> I mean, this is an amazing opportunity. Uh, you did great. Um, yeah. You know, thanks to David Bruce for setting this up. And, you know, we talked to him few weeks ago and uh you know his big thing is that he still shoots on film uh are you fully digital or do you do a mix of both or like i'm probably 25 75 i shoot mostly digital because it's just my job demands it people need things Mm -hmm. quickly um you need to see what's going on i did go to recently to joshua tree to visit my friend uh christopher thorne who's in blind melon built a really nice studio out there called fireside sound. And, um, I, uh, I brought my Bolex, you know, camera, the film, uh, movie camera, 16 millimeter. And then I brought my half frame camera and I brought my, um, my Leica all shot. I shot all film while I was there for the most part. So it feels really good to get some, get some film back. I do have, yeah. I, I meant to ask the video is, did that feel like a big difference step difference for you? Or does it feel like it's just another, um, another leg, another part of, um, photography? I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, I feel like it, it, there's a big learning curve when you start to, to use a moving image camera. I mean, you're still framing something up, but it's like, how long, how long do you stay on, your subject before you're moving around and trying to, you know, capture the story. It's all storytelling, you know? And so storytelling with a still camera is, is a little different than storytelling with a moving image camera. So on my first film that I made, which is called pleasure and pain, which was a documentary on Ben Harper, the editor, you know, we got in there. Fortunately, I got in there with her like midway through the film to start like pushing things around and, her first comment to me was like, dude, you got to hold on the shot, you know? Cause I was basically just like, as a photographer, you're like, Oh, I'm telling a story. Here's a wide shot of the whole picture. Here's a mm-hmm. shot of the hands. Here's the instrument in their hands. Click, click, click. And then if you're doing that with a movie camera, you're like, here's a shot. Here's a hand. Here's a thing. It's, you know, you're like yeah. whipping the camera around and you're like, Holy shit. What? Yeah. You know? So, 
so that was the, that was the difference there, it's an interesting thing because i've done a, a little bit of both and i don't mean to put myself in in your world at all but one of the beautiful things about your photographs and any good photograph is anybody can look at it and it just it's a story i mean it's it can go anywhere. And then a, a film, it, it kind of has to have that sort of wide shot in, you know, tight shot, sure. blah, blah, blah. You got to tell That's the right. story, you got to set it up so that That's they right. are very different, aren't they? Yeah, um, they are. All right, Danny, man. Uh, like I said, this has been a dream of mine for a long, long time. I can't thank you for your time and, and, and sure. visiting with us and i uh, hope to run into you again on the farm is that it that's all that russ is that's all russ gets to ask me this is what this is his skill <laughs> i got my right one question is that, yeah. <laughs> is that it go ahead that's russ what got? else you got <laughs> that's all i got what about I'm, bonnaroo I'm did to... we not talk about bonnaroo yeah 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 ben, yeah well, i do want to talk about uh, how do how have, i mean because you've seen it all how do you think things have changed or have they changed not just Bonnaroo, because to me, the Bonnaroo, the beauty of the Bonnaroo Festival is that, to me, it changed music. It, it, it made it live music fun again. You know, it did. And, you know, I think it all started really, like, that whole vibe, obviously, like, was rekindled by Perry Farrell and Lollapalooza. Right. And then that kind of faded away. And then Fish picked up the ball uh, and did Clifford Ball and Lemon Wheel and all those great festivals. And Bonnaroo came in and saw an opportunity there and, you know, uh, collaborated with some of the same artists like Russ Bennett, who did who handled all the creative side of Bonnaroo. And then just like, you know, the Superfly partners just were just like had great ideas about, you know, bringing in the art and having, you know, silent disco and having super jams and, you know, all that sort of stuff. And, you know, it, you, you know, started out like, you know, what you know, I, I can't remember the first lineups or whatever, but, you know, fish widespread panic, uh, you know, ween, um, you know, all that sort of like kind of jam band right. stuff and segued into bringing us bands that nobody had ever heard of, like my morning jacket and Kings of Leon and the black keys. And, you know, and sort of like, you know, Brandy Carlisle, you know, Marin Morris, like, I, you know, I just feel like all of a sudden we were like being introduced to these incredible bands that like were playing on a Sunday like morning at noon before anybody was even up and my morning jacket is playing in this tent you know there's maybe like a couple hundred people there well the next time they show up there's a couple thousand people there because everybody's spreading the word and how everybody wanted to be there and weren't um and so you know Bonnaroo was like was you know started to the best part was being introduced to all this you know, these new, new, new artists and stuff. And it, for me, it was a great opportunity. Cause like I said, I started out photographing there um, with two flats put together doing portraits. And, um, and that, you know, that really came from my work that I did with the uh, Beastie Boys for the concerts for free Tibet that they did in, uh, in the, uh, the, the late nineties. And I did a, a portrait studio there for that um, for those shows and Jonathan um, uh, Jonathan from Superfly uh, you know said hey you should come and do the same the same for us you know at, at Bonnaroo so I did and it slowly built up and I just captured all these artists that we were talking about and more coming through I mean I just posted recently a Jimmy Buffett photo that I took when he came strolling by the portrait spot and and, you know, um, and then there's all these like all the sort of the, the super jams were amazing. But I also think about like, you know, uh, I had a hand in in telling Radiohead how cool Bonnaroo was. And that is the closest thing to a European festival that they would see. Uh, and they were, you know, not so sure about doing it. And when they ended up doing it, they absolutely loved it. And it was one of the best sets they had done up to that up to that point as, um, as a fan and, i can thank can i thank you right there can i just yes yeah, sir thank you that's right <laughs> thank yeah. you yeah yeah <laughs> uh and then i also had something to do with um well a lot to do with um springsteen sitting in with fish that year um bruce had come and done the festival and he stayed an extra day and he was watching citizen cope um from the side stage with his one of his sons 
And, um, and I, I, I wandered over to Bruce and said, uh, I said, have you seen fish before? And he's like, no. And I was like, well, they're tonight. And, you know, they, those boys can play anything. And they, they've done these holiday shows, you know, like on Halloween where they take like remain in the light or they do this record or that record. And Bruce was like, Oh damn. All right. Wow. Nice. And, uh, like an hour later I ran into, uh, their tour manager, uh, Brad. And he was, and he, and he said, uh, you know, uh, Hey, Bruce just hit us up. I think he's going to come and sit in like, come over and, you know, photograph while they're rehearsing. And I was like, all right. Wow. Once again, thank <laughs> um, you. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> so, I mean, and, and, th- and I'm, and I'm grateful too, you know, for those opportunities and again, life experience, you know, through that. And I've made a couple of, of, uh, made a couple of, um, of films about Bonnaroo, um, 270 miles, uh, to Graceland, which is the, like the first, the second Bonnaroo film, uh, that that was made. I uh, someone else made the first one, and then I made another one. I'm, I don't even remember what year it was, but it was the year that Trey played with the uh, with the orchestra. Um, and I don't even know that they gave it a name. I feel like it's just like Bonnaroo, whatever year. But um, you know, it's so, so much fun, and, and and all the relationships. Talk about relationships, you know, and you know all the crew that I used um, to photograph uh, or to film. Um, to film those shows are, you know, camera operators and producers and people that are still great friends of mine to this day and who have gone on to make their own films and become directors and, you know, Colleen Hennessy and Jojo Pennebaker and Aliyah Lissy and uh, Linda Narvaez and all these like uh, Taryn Gould and stuff, all these really super cool people. Um, so that's been fun. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, I could go on and on about Bonnaroo. It's really was, uh, it was a great, you know, great moment. So the, so the evolution for me was, you know, again, working at the paper, covering music uh, in the eighties, nineties, there was the punk scene, there was the zines and everything was whatever you wanted to do. And it was great. And then mm-hmm. we, we got into the, the arena rock sort of thing, which was very exciting and I loved it, but then it became very familiar. It didn't matter whether yeah. it was a country show or a hair metal band show. It was, you know, third song, say hello, Chattanooga, fifth song, introduce the band. I mean, it was all very choreographed right. and it became the same. Yeah. And mm. then, uh, you know, it was, I, I don't want to say boring cause it beat, you know, any other gig I could have, I could have had. But of course. 2002 yeah. Bonnaroo uh, was like, Oh my God, what, you know, what is this? And then since 2007, I've been going every year and what you, mm. I mean, you nailed it. It was like, now I want to discover new bands. I don't want to, I, yeah. I, I want to go see the McCartney's and the Radioheads, but I also want to come home That's with right. a whole list of new bands that I've never heard of before. Yeah. And it, and that's what, that's what they gave us for sure. hundred percent. And that's what um, changed. All and uh, yeah. And then I'm now a festival uh, founder and promoter for see here now music festival, which is on my hat nice. in Asbury park. And we try to do the same thing. You know, we're bringing in artists that people hadn't heard of. And, you know, uh, you know, people come to us the next day and they're like, uh, they had seen like Seema Funk or Ron Artis or, you know, even, you know, even Nathaniel Rateliff, who played this year, uh, you know, they're all, you know, people are coming and saying, wow, I wasn't familiar with that act. And that's like my favorite band now, you know? So, yeah. you know, bringing that to Asbury Park has been really cool. And, um, and I would like to mention also, um, you know, not only, you know, being able to bring something like that to Asbury Park, which is, is pretty epic. We had the Foo Fighters and the Killers last year as our headliners. Um, I'm not sure how much you know about Sea Here Now, but it's, uh, it's a really cool festival right on the ocean. Uh, we have a surfing component. We have an art component. Um, and I have a gallery in Asbury Park called the Transparent Clinch Gallery. And it, it has showcases, you know, my photography. And we have live music there as well and uh, all sorts of events, little fashion shows and things like that. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I, also just, uh, I also just started dropping um, T-shirts that have my photographs on them. Like uh, real simple, like old school, like almost punk rock style T-shirts, skater style, yeah. you know, old school, just like a photograph with a little inscription. You know, this is Beastie Boys, 
uh, Los Angeles Danny Clinch underneath it, like real simple. Um, it's called Clinch Collections. And um, we just dropped uh, the Beastie Boys, Run DMC, Green Day, Dave Matthews, Fish, Bruce Springsteen. Um, and we have uh, uh, Willie Nelson, Johnny Cash. It's quite a collection. And they're super, uh, super well-made uh, T-shirts. And I thought I'd give them a plug because uh, it's a startup and we're having a good time with it. And it's um, how much are these guys coming I'm to you versus you going to them? How, how much are you? Do you said you're not a planner. Do you have a list of people you, you know, I'd like to photograph? Are they coming to you at this point or is the labels coming mm-hmm. to you? How, how is it working for you at this point? It, it's probably a little bit of everything. I mean, I'm, I'm not a planner, but I'm a hustler, you know, so, <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> uh, you know, if I want something, I'm going to go find it. You know, I mean, I made my career of showing up to places, you know, whether I was invited or not and trying to capture something. Um, so, um, you know, with that said, you know, something like something like Bonnaroo and the Grammys was super cool because people were there. And they were, you know, I could then encourage them to come and sit for a portrait, which is always great. And then other things, you know, it's like I go to Newport Folk Festival every year and they have, you know, and see here now every year. And there's just great artists wandering around. A lot of them that I know, some I don't, where I can capture these great moments of rehearsals and hanging out and pre-show and yeah. and all that sort of stuff. So two things. You mentioned community uh, and, and getting to know people and that. Russell agree with me. That's what we love about Bonner. That's why we're doing this podcast. I mean, we've been doing this since 2018 because it's a community. We, I didn't, yeah. I didn't know Russ before mm-hmm. 2000. We, we don't know each other except for this podcast and yeah, and and a ton of people like that. Ken Weinstein and Paps Blue Ribbon, Paps yeah. PBR, and, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, brings uh, people together. So, so there's that, but but also that 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 sense of like with David Bruce. He had an idea and he mm-hmm. did it and Bonnaroo is cool enough to embrace it. You know, you got a, yeah. you got a great idea. Talk to me, you know, tell me. That's right. And let's make you it know? work. And, and it, yeah. And it's not always the, the most um, talented people that, that have their idea and push it through. You know, it's like, it's, it's a balance. You know, some people who are so super talented and no one will ever know them. Right. Right. And then there mm-hmm. are some people with medium talent that are just so good at networking and hustling and have ideas and they're executing them and they're getting them done. And there's something to be said for both, you yeah. know? Um, yeah. And, and if you have a, if you're able to balance it out and have some talent as well as some hustle, you know, you can get out there and, and make a living and, and, a lot of, and, and, and have great, great life experiences. And a lot of passion, which is I yeah. think David and, and, and you and everyone else. So, Yep. All right, Russ. Again, man, you nailed it. Any any other uh, <laughs> anything else? Russ, you talk too much. <laughs> this is my best one yet. <laughs> Danny, man, I can't thank you enough. Um, love the work, obviously, and love thank you. Love the life. Love what you've done, and uh, and I, I appreciate you giving us so much time. Yes, thank you. Yeah, you bet. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, all right, there you go. Like I said, I'm I'm still tingly. I, I'm still. <laughs> I, I may not come down off of this high for a while. It, it was. It was almost as fun interviewing him as it was just watching you just kind of light up like a schoolboy. Just. <laughs> you know, I get so nervous. I I told some friends. You know, I've done interviews now for forty years, and uh, Brian Wilson was. I was so nervous. I was convinced I was going to go Chris Farley. Um, <laughs> I was, I, I wasn't too fearful that I would pull, you know, the Chris Farley, Paul McCartney on, on this one. Cause there was a lot to talk about. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I knew there was a lot of, uh, but you just never know how the guest is going to be. And, and he was, he was great from the jump. 
Well, so. Danny was yeah so easy to talk to. He had a lot of good stories. Yeah, just it went great. In fact, we tried to end it, and he was like, "Is that it? You're not going to ask me about?" <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we almost didn't talk about Bonnaroo, and then he was like, oh, don't you want to talk about Bonnaroo? Yeah. It's like, yeah, how much time you got? Yeah, really, I, you know, I kind of had, you know, that feeling like the assistants off to the side pounding on their wristwatch or something, you know, or, mm-hmm. or he's giving the high sign, you know, cut it off, cut yeah. it off. <laughs> no, he was great. So much fun, and, and I, I, you know, we'll see. Uh, all right. Well, thank you guys. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did, though. I doubt that's possible, but anyway, I hope you do. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks for listening. Uh, feel free to drop a like, uh, rate the podcast, share it. And, uh, we appreciate it. We'll be back with more hopefully soon. Hey, and and thanks to consequence for running these. Oh yeah. All right, guys. See you soon. Consequence Podcast Network.